Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Uh, welcome to Arl Nuts podcast number 11 for the week of June, June 28th. 28th. Wow. That's, How time flies. It, it's what happens when you get old. Time loses meaning. Stop saying things about being old. That's all I can think about. God. <laughs> old, a vintage old game convention. Zach. A vintage game convention can do that to you. Yes. When you grew up in the era that the vintage games are from. <laughs> Too many games is what Zach is talking about. Yeah. Uh, just got back from Too Many Games, where we uh, did our first live performance. Yes, we did. It was a blast. Musical performance. Yes. We weren't just reading Arl Knott's skits on a stage. Right. Uh, we. So yeah, we'll talk about that today. We also have a wonderful, wonderful interview with our second guest ever, Chuck Wendig. Uh, author, funny man. Chuck is great. We have an awesome interview with him lined up. It's another uh, Star Wars superstar. Star, star. Star, star. Uh, another star, good star inside Binks. look into some Star Wars stuff and other things. Uh, we are looking to get some non-Star Wars guests at some point, but we figure this is a good point of entry for the uh, the guest tables. Yes. It's a comfort zone thing. Yeah, totally. So yeah, we just, uh, we literally got back, I don't know why literally, like it's so hard to believe. We got back on Monday, or Sunday. Uh, we spent the weekend in outside of Philly, Oaks, PA, where Too Many Games is hosted. Yes, it's a, it's a game conference. Trading and buying classic games is the sort of the foundation that that convention is built on. Uh, and there's, it's since grown to include a lot more things. Like there's a, there's a huge arcade off to the side, which was incredible. It was overwhelming how awesome that arcade was. There was a lot of competitive. It was, it was mostly competitive gaming. There was some multiplayer, like two player stuff, but it was pretty much always taken. Yeah. <laughs> it was really hard to just. We could easily have gotten in on a game if just one of us wanted to play, but we were looking to stay as a team and play each other against each other or with each other, and it was tough. We did get in on a Capcom versus Street Fighter. That was cool. And almost this, as soon as we started playing, somebody crept up and was like, I challenge winner. And just like, was really shady <laughs> There were about... some kids. There were some like 14, 50 year old kids walking around just basically hustling. Yeah. Guys like us. They did the thing. He did the thing where I was My like. My nephew got hustled. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. By some kid in Mortal Kombat. Oh, dead. Don't ever so competitive video games are huge right now. I mean, it's a legitimate uh, sporting event, and just like any other sport, it, you can age out. And if a kid wants to challenge you, you're gonna lose. You beat him though, which was pretty. Well, funny. that one did, but you know, it's I. That might have been part of the hustle though. That might have been part of the hustle. He may have been like that, making me feel good with my win, and they're like, "Well, let's try it again, but this time for let's play with money." You know, it's. <laughs> He even joked about that, but I couldn't tell if he was joking or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I threw it out there as a joke. I'm like, next thing, you know, I was like, because he was like, I'm not that good at this game. I was like, oh, I'm, next thing you're gonna say is you're gonna, you, let's place a friendly bet on. He goes, we could. I was like, this, get out of here, dude. We're here for like, we suck at, at this game. I'm not a fighting games guy. I love them, but I'm not competitive. Um, and then I beat him, <laughs> and I think he. That was yeah. That was part of the hustle for sure. He loved it. Uh, so we want to say thanks to uh, Justin Silverman and the team at Screenwave and uh, Jarrett Courtney live VJing during our performance. Yeah, that was uh, it was an element we didn't think about originally, but it, it was a no-brainer after we decided to include it. Having video to go with our music just makes sense. Yeah, we learned quite a bit from that live performance. It was our first. I mean, I personally have done some live performances in the past just as a you know, music producer and musician. We are planning a live performance live stream on YouTube, which we are gearing up for right now. That yeah. should be coming pretty and, soon. And that'll basically just be a re reproduction of the set we played at Too Many Games. And, and some other uh, maybe new gems yeah. having possibly to do with episode six. It depends, because some people don't like that. They don't want us to spoil too much before they see the whole thing. They're like, stop. Because even just like, if it's a song, the yeah. song might tell them more than they want to know. Although about. this song, we could do a, an instrumental version of this track. That, that is would true. Be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we're working on a new track for episode six right now. We have a couple of original tracks that are going to be in episode six, which, why don't we just go ahead and drop that title? 
Yeah, episode six, The Last Laser Master. That is the name that we have landed total sense. on. I mean, it's kind of the same thing we did with the Laser Moon Awakens. We we used the new movies to to joke about our versions. So, the last Laser Master. The last Laser. We'll just plant that seed and let your imaginations run wild with that uh, one. So yeah, going just finishing up with too many games. We had a great time. Um, we mostly had a great time the first night. If you read the article that we posted on our website, that was sort of a recap of that weekend. The first night was a little bit of a learning experience. Uh, not for Bishop, who was part of our crew. Uh, he's a good friend, uh, he, and you may remember his work when we share his bass bins, his bass bin mixes on SoundCloud from on Inalium's channel. But he's uh, he's been professionally DJing for like what twenty years or something like that. Yeah, long time. He's, yeah, that guy is amazing. He knows the scene, and nothing was a surprise to him. <laughs> and it was really good to have him there for like moral support just to be like hey this is what ha- this is what you can expect this is what's going to happen here's how we deal with it and you know and then he we mixed uh so we played a private party on friday night uh and we the the understanding was that we we're going to provide sort of a dj set which is where bishop came in huge and then do some arl not songs um the DJ set was slamming. I feel like we did a really good job with our performances. If you look at some of the videos, we're just crushing it. But the surrounding area surrounding us is devoid of any sort of people. <laughs> it's just this conference room, just a typical hotel conference room with with just like these dudes at front. Like it's kind of a weird scene. Yeah, yeah. it was. Interesting. I, I don't think it's it was the ideal scenario for uh, to get people pumped up or. There was yeah. a, like a long drink line. There, there was a drink. Was like there was a long that, like, drink that line. That bisected the room in half. It was really strange. Yeah. And there was, and there was a lot going on there too. Like the, it was a private party for the channel network that, that represents us on YouTube. And so basically it was a bunch of YouTube creators. So I don't think even if people knew who we were, which I'm just not assuming they did, they probably aren't looking to be like, like fanboying out in any way. They're there to sort of schmooze to be, you know, to meet people. And all of that is hard to do. There's some dudes in the back screaming about sweatpants, <laughs> which is fun. I actually wore sweatpants too. I thought it'd be a fun visual, awesome. like play, you know, into the song. Cause then we, I, I could like segue into like, Hey, by the way, this is why I'm wearing sweatpants, but it, it just didn't translate. I think people just thought I was either a slob or just some <laughs> like, casual athletic dude looking for a pickup game or something like that i was wearing like a champion tank top and russell sweatpants because both of those brands are are dropped in the song (laughs) i thought it would be funny but it's only funny if you know what we're talking about and if you have no point of reference then they're just like you know i don't know i I honestly don't know what maybe they do know who we were and they just thought we sucked or they just were uncomfortable with like us being so, because I was dancing. Like I was like, every time somebody would walk in there, I'd point directly at them and be like, "Welcome to this experience." Yeah. <laughs> just make eye contact, and they would immediately look away and just head and just like beeline it for the back of the room. Yeah. You know, the, was, the thing that it did for me was it got me more excited to do a, a live stream because I know that a lot of our audience w- would probably enjoy seeing a uh, live performance of our stuff. So we are going to be planning uh, a kick-ass live performance. We're going to make sure to we'll be promoting the hell out of that. Yeah, we'll make sure everybody knows exactly what time and where you can find it, and what eh, not what to expect. That'll be a surprise. We may we may do like a three sixty camp situation with it too, which could be kind of funny. Yeah, give you guys some kind of interesting weird control. But since we have done a live performance, we we I think we did a stream. We did a stream once where we did a couple of songs, and that was <laughs> and it was really it wasn't really like a performance based stream. We were just kind of messing around and just hanging out with people, but we busted out a couple songs. Yeah, so we. We know how to hook it all up. But this one would be almost like a mini concert. Yeah. So it would be entirely music. Yeah. So oh, and so yeah, right. So not to leave it on a on a awkward note. Like Friday night was it was weird, but it was fine. It was a good test. And then Saturday we had a panel, which was really great. Yep. Um, we had some. You know, and again, it's it's strange because we're not. This scene is very local. Like everyone that goes to it, I feel like I'll go to it every year, and that includes the guests. A lot of the guests are known commodities and they're also video game people and so we were kind of like not a black sheep but just maybe a little bit of a wild card you know we're a movie parody channel we don't do game stuff 
we just happened to be friends with the organizers of the event and they happened to like what we do. Yeah. So they thought it'd be fun to have us there. And so our panel room was like, you know, there were some panels that were like lines at the door. We had a lot of people in ours, but it wasn't anything like that. But it was really fun. Everybody was really engaged with what we were doing and asking great questions, you know, having laughs. And we were just, you know, it was really fun to talk about our process and to hear the kind of questions people have for us and then expose them to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Like, like it's my life's mission. <laughs> yeah, it, it has become that almost. Yeah, we for whatever reason, that that soundtrack has just become a tradition now whenever we travel together. It just pumps us up in a weird way. It's the best. There's so much to love about that soundtrack. We should dedicate an entire podcast sometime. We should just do just a DJ set. Yeah, we should soundtrack. just stream, like live stream a DJ set, just, just Mortal Kombat. It's so good. It's yeah, such we, a great snapshot of music production in that genre of in the nineties, in the nineties. Yeah. We just, and when we ran out of things to talk about in our panel, we just hit play on a couple tracks and just, just laughed together with that. Um, together. We laughed, together we laughed, we cried. Um, so yeah, everybody in the panel was really great. We met some fantastic people. Um, some people came out specifically just to see us. There was a great couple that drove up from Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Joey and Christy, they drove, it was six hours one way, I believe. So they had 12 hours of driving. Wow. Um, they, they were had, really nice. Yeah, they were super nice. And they were, once we dropped the story about Creepio being officially referenced in the latest issue of Star Wars, he ran out and bought an issue and then had to sign it. I felt really bad doing it. <laughs> I was like, this is going to devalue this completely. Any value that it might have is gone. Like, you had the Arlnots just deface your, your book. And somebody said, like, yeah, it might actually have, like, weird value in the future. Who <laughs> it knows? might. I think yeah. that was me. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or somebody. I'm not sure who. It could have been you. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe it was me. Maybe I said it. Maybe I said it. <laughs> That's funny. So um, we were going to dedicate an entire podcast to, to crapping on uh, Covenant. But that that boat has sailed. Yeah, that was, that was a month ago. You know what, though? You will see what we have to say about it coming up soon when... We start approaching Blu-ray. We're gonna have a little video, and we, we a have little, a video in mind. We get a little something for that. Yeah. Could be, could be another. And it was almost like entry. <laughs> I almost feel like Ridley Scott put that in there for us <laughs> to mess with. Oh, he definitely did. He's like, you know what? Let's let's throw these guys. There are some bone. things going on in that film that are ripe for Arl Knott's treatment. Yeah. Also, thanks for all the great feedback on Kylo Ren ASMR. <laughs> We've gotten some just fen- phenomenal feedback from from people on that and we're really happy that that people enjoyed that yeah it was it was a gamble to put that out there because you know asmr is sort of uh i called it the cilantro of <laughs> of youtube videos it's like you either like it or you hate it and then you hate people for liking it like it's so weird like i don't understand why who would why why someone would like this people that don't like cilantro are like insane about I hate people cilantro. Like yeah, and do you get upset at people when they when they eat no? It? But I I don't understand it. Yeah. But I think it's it's a physical it's reaction, a genetic isn't it? thing. Yeah, it's you're predisposed to either liking it or hating the it. Thing, for some the thing the thing that stinks is that I like a lot of things that have cilantro in them. Yeah, like and things. And if you like cilantro, it's there. It's, those things are better with it in there. It's I nuts. Know. Yeah, it's it's but tough. Yeah. ASMR. It's the yeah. It's got that uh, you love it or hate it. And ASMR is such a weird thing because it's so dependent on good audio to to uh, ev- ev- evoke those reactions that it's attempting to evoke. So it's just kind of ripe for the, the, our type of parody. Yeah. And Kylo Ren is the person doing that type of YouTube parody. So I, I mean, the thing that, that struck me that was kind of interesting is that a lot of people thought it was hilarious, and then other people thought it was a good, good ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. So we got some kind of funny requests, one of which was to, there's a scene, that the section where Kylo is doing his lightsaber back and forth over your head. And uh, one one guy requested that we just do that one clip for an hour of Kylo doing the lightsaber back and forth. Which we actually, I think we're going to do that. When we made it, we were like, this could probably be its own video. Yeah. But I can't yeah. understand. Like, I feel like it would give me a headache after a couple minutes. Like that hum in your head is is pretty. It goes pretty deep. Yeah, we'll see. We might we might actually do that. And and also thanks for all the suggestions for fictional fight championship. Yeah, there fictional have been a fight ton championship of requests and we're gonna follow up on that series yeah that one is that one is fun it's fun to do and they're pretty easy to execute as well so i think we're gonna follow up uh i think the next one is going to be in fact young anakin versus young obi-wan 
That's right. Yeah, I think that's our next. And somebody was really funny. They said, I don't understand the point of this. They already fought. We know who won. And it's like, that's not the point of it. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. You know, you call it like you're calling out the real moves and you're framing things in a practical sense. Like if this was a real fight, here's two guys that understand those physics and are trying to explain how these things are possible and what they're doing wrong. It's, well, a, it's a critique. Well, I mean, I mean, when you go to see Spider-Man, do you know that he's going to die or live? Right. You know he's going to live, right? You know so live. what's the yeah. point of going to see the movie? Yeah. If, if, you know like, he's going to win, right? <laughs> like there's going to be a bad guy and he's right. going to beat the bad guy? I don't need guy? to see it because, yeah, no. yeah I know exactly what's going to happen. He's yeah. going to not die. <laughs> yeah, he's going to not die. He's going to beat the bad guy. And so what's the point? And the bad guy will either die, but it's Spider-Man, so he'll probably just go to jail and vow vengeance forever because that's what happens when you don't kill your foes spider-man they just keep coming back didn't that's you learn from batman to, that's what happens to all the bad guys look at the punisher he doesn't have repeat villains yeah except for the punisher because they're in the ground all right on that note without further ado yeah ladies and gentlemen please enjoy our interview with the one and only chuck wendig chuck is an author comic book writer screenwriter and blogger He's known for his own blog, Terrible Minds, a place for short stories and a fantastic writer's resource. His many book series include the Heartland Trilogy, the Miriam Black series, Dinocalypse, and uh, a trilogy from an obscure sci-fi franchise, the uh, the Star War. It's uh, Star Wars. It's plural. Oh, got Star Star Wars. That sounds exciting. There are many wars. So many <laughs> amongst the stars. Chuck, welcome to the Arl Nuts podcast. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. It's kind of a similar situation as our last interview. We've been kind of following each other over the years. Yes. And yes, we tag, have. tagging each other in random posts. I know, staring at each other through various internet blinds and rushes. <laughs> <laughs> Touching every once in a while the, the old prison like hand on the glass. I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. fo fogged up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just actually pantomime putting my hand on the glass. As I, if did you could see I did too. I did too. Yeah. We did it. We connected across the ether. <laughs> it was a special moment. <laughs> We're just going to get all the Star Wars stuff out of the way right Sold. away. So <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get it out. Let's just like purge it. Yeah. Let's make it happen. I can answer no creepy questions. Oh, oh yeah. no problem there. No. Uh, so your Star Wars books are the first entries in the rebooted Star Wars universe. True. Which, of course, sets up major precedent. Could you paint a picture of how that journey began? Uh, yeah, it's not, it began in a way that's not traditional, but maybe it's becoming more traditional, uh, in that I tweeted about it, which is oh. not normally how you should get work, but it's how <laughs> I, I apparently can get work. I had the force for like four seconds and I tweeted during those four seconds. Uh, <laughs> I literally tweeted, I'd, I'd love to write a Star Wars novel someday. And, uh, a bunch of people sort of made that kind of dream happen. They kicked that ball, uh, downfield toward the goal unit. And uh, next thing I knew, I was meeting with editors at New York Comic Con, and they said, we read your books. And I said, so, well, thanks for meeting for, with me. I guess I will not get that job. Uh, and they said, no, no, we read your, like, the good ones. I said, oh, good. Okay. Because <laughs> a lot of my books are not, not Star Wars-y, and uh, they're sort of horror-y, scary, weird, gory, profane stuff. Right. Uh, so, you know, next thing I knew, I was um, hired, and they were like, hey, we're going to need a book in three months, and just kidding, in one month. We really need it in a month. Wow, that is some high-pressure turnaround. So how does that feel, I guess? You know, it, I mean, it's high-pressure, but I tend to do a first draft between one and three months anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what it was. It was a first draft. They needed a oh, first it wasn't draft. like it wasn't a delivered like final, book. Yeah, it wasn't like just... Give us something, anything, and we're going to pit print, and it's going to kill. <laughs> and then we're going to throw you under the bus. Yeah, right, we're just going to kick you. Good luck. You suck. Uh, so no, no, it's just first draft. Uh, but okay. I, I did, first draft in one month is still pretty... Um, that's, yeah. It's pretty intense. We, yeah, that's... Uh, as For a whole book, I can't even imagine. So Yeah, you, it was yeah, definitely yeah, like... That's, like that's an impressive feat. Uh, or something. No it was, yeah, it was, I, don't, I don't know if it was any good, but I got it done in a month, so... It, it it's funny that you said that about your, your style, because some of that does come through a lot uh, in the Star Wars books in ways that I, I certainly appreciate. I don't know mm. how much... Other people do, but I hope guys so. like, uh, you know, like Mr. Bones, obviously, <laughs> is a favorite yeah. of ours. Any <laughs> psychotic robot situation yeah, is always fun. It's a win for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I wanted to write those books. Like, you know, part of the thing with tie-in fiction in general is that tie-in fiction aims for kind of a middle ground prose-wise. They want everything to sort of feel the same um, appropriately. Right. They want it to, like, kind of read like a, 
a neutral sort of stylistic entry into any universe. Um, but uh, I knew they were changing things up with Star Wars a little bit. I knew they were kind of being, obviously the films, I think, are even sort of aiming for a slightly more artistic look to them. Um, Absolutely. More, um, yep. You know, they're hiring, you know, obviously Ryan Johnson is sort of his own special guy there and Gareth. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I approached them to sort of write it, quote unquote, my way and still feel like a me book, despite it being a Star Wars book, they were totally on board. Nice. To my great shock and awe. <laughs> now, that's fantastic. It, it, it sort of brings us to another question, which is, how far does that freedom go when you're uh, bringing your own vision to that Star Wars universe up against a brand Bible, for example? Yeah, they were pretty cool about it. Like mostly, um, first of all, part of the deal was needing a book as fast as they needed it. There was right. not a lot of time to, you know, although actually I expected with only a month or, you know, month to three months on the clock that they were going to basically give me the book to write. Like here's an outline, just fill in the details. And I would not really want to do that. Um, but they were su- surprisingly open. They basically said, you, you can't do these things and you can't include these characters and it needs to start to fit this timeline, but otherwise pitch us on the book. Yeah. Uh, so they let me pitch the whole thing. And so the characters are, you know, obviously mine outside of the, the quote unquote big characters that show up on um, the legacy characters. Right. So uh, I had a lot of freedom. So that's, uh, that's interesting then. So like, uh, so all those characters, Obviously, outside of the legacy characters, those are yours off, yeah. off from your head. So that's, that's cool because one yeah. of them appears in the film. Um, oh well, see, that's the trick. Snap! That's we <laughs> right. retroactively made Snap Snap. So he was Snap Seven. He they was retroactively made him. Yeah, they ah. had a different last name originally, and they said, "Okay, um, because and because Lucasfilm was operating under such intense secrecy at the time, uh-huh. um, they were like, okay, we have these character names, and we would like you to include one of them in the book.'" Uh, and it was like, uh, I think Admiral Satora, Snap, Wexley, and I forget what the other one was. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. I can pick one and put them in a book. Like, are they human? Are they alien? And they like, we can't tell you that. <laughs> well, like, that's, wait, wait. Like, that's going to be, the fans are going to know if I get that wrong. And yeah. like, if it's yeah. like, I call him like a hammerhead authorian, and then in the book, he's like, you know, like a one-armed, you know, Greedo. I'm like, we're, <laughs> we're screwed if, if he's a rodent. Or if he's human or a, bl- a blob, a sentient blob. Like, I need to know. I need to know some details. <laughs> Uh, and so they finally said, well, we can tell you, like, Snap Wexley is a human, and he's this pilot for the res- this thing called the Resistance. And I was like, you know what? I can make, retroactively, one of the characters that I've already written into this book, um, that character. We just need to change the name and give him a few little traits here and there and build to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were totally on board with that, and that has how Snap Wexley became Snap Wexley. Cool. Really it, cool. What's it like seeing, you know, somebody like Greg Grunberg playing one of your characters? Totally uh, weird. Is it, yeah, super, is it super weird, yeah, just tricky. Because that guy's also like the uh, the le- like the to- notoriously J.J. Abrams like Lucky Rabbit's foot. Yeah, like guy. I think he is maybe J.J. Abrams, like secretly he like morphs <laughs> into, or he puts on a Greg Grunberg suit and runs out into it. He's like, oh, it's just Greg. You know, or it's like on. a prestige situation where like the J.J. Abrams <laughs> we see is actually just some actor. Right, exactly. <laughs> The prestige. Here's the turn. <laughs> now he's a child in your timeline, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a kid, uh, like a preteen, teenager kind of kid. Yeah. So did he grow up into the man you hoped he would be? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, uh, yeah. And even at the end of like Empire's End, I don't, it's like the size is different because he's like kind of this scrawny kid. I'm like, well, he starts yeah. to pack on some pounds. Like not to be in a rude way, but I mean, he's you got to beef him up a little bit. Though. Yeah, yeah. He's, Grunberg is beefy. He's, you know, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a good looking guy, but he's a little beefy. And I and I respect that as a fellow beefy gentlemen it's good be yeah it's good beefiness it's, it's not good beef. it's not yeah it's not good, great beef. good beef <laughs> here it is so uh i'm gonna dip a little sensitive territory you mm-hmm. definitely have caught uh, some flack for it's your progressive a choices a in, your, in star wars a uh, tiny bit seems a lot of people aren't too keen on messing with the identity of what your typical hero is supposed to be yeah yeah there was like some a lot of uh trigger points for all of that there was the kind of the progressive stuff there was the stylistic stuff the present tense and sort of the it felt like a chuck wendig book right and then there was the component of like that i personally went to their houses and took all their expanded universe books (laughs) and dumped them in the toilet (laughs) and then like took a dump on them after i dunked in the toilet like that's how you went to a lesbian convention and had them all personally piss on the extended universe books and then Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I pay. I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> but that's funny that I mean, because I've you know, it's since we've been following each other on Twitter, I've I've gotten pretty deep into your stuff, and I I, I have personally gotten offended by some of the Amazon reviews mm. where they're just like, you know, I really wish you just keep his 
<laughs> politics out of my Star Wars. I know. <laughs> I was like, that's such a weird thing to say about Star Wars in particular, which, I mean, in Star Wars, it's a cartoony politics, but it's still kind of there. Like It's the still Empire kind of like, kind of it was th- built on politics. Yeah, it's yeah. authoritarian, you know, scares and all that. All that stuff's there. Yeah. But some people really love the Empire. Like, not in a way where they're like, hey, man, Darth Vader's kind of neat, but like, dude, we should totally dress yeah. like space Nazis and oppress people. It's like, ah. Yeah, that's, that's a weird you know, I've, it's a weird I had a, I had, I had a thought not too long ago. I even started writing an article about it where it's like, here's your favorite characters in movies. If you are, if you feel this way politically. And it was characters like Cypher from the Matrix. Yeah, right. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Dick, Dick Jones from yeah. RoboCop. Like yeah. you have to like these people if those are your politics. Yeah. Like there's, but I'm starting to think that they do like those characters. <laughs> yeah. Either that or they have such cognitive dissonance about it that they don't see that they don't they associate the wrong things right you know they still mean? think yeah. the heroes are awesome and right. the bad guys got what they had coming to them exactly and yeah like, like well, it's like all are... like the red pill guys using morpheus right yeah and you're like yeah. really do you i mean first of all do you know who like directed that movie and who wrote that movie and yeah. also do you know morpheus like what what is wow wow do you know like every character was supposed to be black originally <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like such a puzzling thing that they yeah. they hang their hat on I, they they come up with some strange imagery to use. I feel bad yes. for Doug Jones because they <laughs> yeah. he was they used the the Moon Man from McDonald's. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's that was his first gig as a as a as a latex suited creature basically. <laughs> What's weird is like the Moon Man actually kind of works as like a Guillermo del Toro monster as well. Like he does. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. Right. It works. <laughs> and when you find out that it's Doug under there, you're like, oh, of yeah. course. It's, yeah. Totally that's, tracks. That's Pan's Labyrinth canon now. <laughs> exactly. I, yes. I would exactly. not be surprised to see him in the background yeah. playing the piano. Yeah. In um, the sequel, they will explore that. <laughs> it's strange. I saw, you know, and I noticed you took a turn on your Twitter account one day. You were just like, you know what? I'm not trying to separate my politics from my my work. If you have a problem with it, now's your chance to leave. Like, yeah. how's that worked out for you? And the uh, is there been a continued blowback? Or you, you kind of no, hit like actually, a, It seems like there's not as much blowback. Um, First of all, I block very um, liberally. Like, so as soon as you're like, bah, 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 I'm like, block, no, no, yeah. just, I'm out. You're ejected at the airlock. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, you, sometimes you block, like, five people, and next thing you know, like, it's weeks of quiet. Oh, wow. Um, and so I don't know where those people are coming from, but they're very noisy, you know, minimal people. It's, yeah, it's what they do. I yeah. Mean, that's, that's their life. Troll's going to troll. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, no, one thing I do no. appreciate is how you're sort of, I guess a lot of these conversations stem from the loss of manliness, I think, is the whole, like, that whole, like, PC culture and all that stuff is like, it's just, we don't get to be men anymore. Yeah, which is a strange view of uh, manliness. Really. It is. Well, because I feel like a lot of your character, personally, I feel like a lot of your characters are demonstrating that manliness is a virtue that can sort of be displayed by anyone i would like to think so i mean in terms of what we associate with that the traits yeah. that go with that um are broader than the, the gender yeah yeah um and, and it's, also bullshit you know yeah in fact they're associating with gender at all yeah it is it is strange i mean i understand there was a time in our history as humans where certain things were done by certain people but in a technologically advanced society where our needs are different like anybody can kind of do whatever they want it's like hey i don't have yeah i don't have the the parts but i can do this you know but it's not real zach it's none of it's real yeah yeah and a lot of it i too wonder how much that was even sort of a cultural mythology we shared yeah um because everybody can't be like lumberjack guy who like goes out and is racist and sexist in the woods and (laughs) (laughs) not every guy is that guy so and that was true historically never always that so such yeah, a strange know, thing. It is weird, and it's, I, it's just. I think it's just fear of uh, irrelevance. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, like I said, there's this definite component of dinosaurs yelling at the meteor, like moving their yeah. little tiny arms and very <laughs> upset about it, as like mammals scurry at their feet, like what are these fuzzy things? I'm so yeah, angry. Like, at well, these we're gonna things. breed differently, and we're gonna just, and we're gonna move things with our hands, like it's right. gonna be fun. <laughs> I know it's gonna. We're just gonna develop hands, and then you. <laughs> Giant, scary dinosaur are going to And then we're going to use them to talk to devices. Right, right. Have you ever read the short story, um, Meat? Meat. Uh, They're made of meat. Terry Bisson. Terry Bisson's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, Omni. uh, An Omni story. An old Omni story. They're made of meat. Yeah. Kind of... I always think about that. Yeah, that, like, pops up every once and now and again on the internet. It's classic. Yeah. It is. It's like, so... That just reminded me. They're like, well, the the rate we... 
contact them to radio signals like okay well that's who we want to talk to the people that made the radios it's like they did the meat made the radios they talked yeah. through it <laughs> yep they talked to it what the hell <laughs> we'd love to know more about uh terrible minds oh yeah and how it? uh you know you're, you're still contributing to it all the time trying um, to yeah we'd love to know how it began and sort of what the philosophy is behind it it's um i the god the thing started over 15 years ago now and uh, at the time, like actually even prior to that, uh, my parents, when I was in high school, were foolish enough to get me a phone line. Uh, <laughs> and they were also foolish enough to get me a computer. So I ran a bulletin board system out of my house without them ever knowing it. Uh, so I ran a bulletin board for years, uh, people dialing in at all hours of the day. <laughs> like I, was, really? and I don't think they had any idea what was happening. Why is this? Why is your phone ringing and make this weird noise? <laughs> uh, why is your computer shrieking at us in pain? Uh, so... That would happen constantly, and I uh, so I was very used to sort of moderating the site and having these you know quote unquote bulletin boards where people could post. And I ran a little writers group online for like a lot of local people. And uh, when you know the actual internet appeared, you know like a leviathan out of the sea, right? I, you know I thought okay, well I want to ape that. I want something similar. And I originally conceived of Terrible Minds as a, like a writers community blog, um, mm -hmm. and then I talked to my coder roommate who was like, well, doing that is a serious job. Uh, right. And I said, well, I am super lazy and I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so how about we just make it about me? <laughs> it's like me, 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 you know, solipsistic, self-focused writer. So uh, she coded a real simple HTML site for me that was had no metrics, had no uh, forums, comments, anything. Yeah. Uh, and I just sort of rambled online without any sense of anyone following me. Um, turns out they were. And when I finally switched over to WordPress and got this whole actual site going, um, there were people sort of like there waiting in the dark. Like I turned on the light and there were just a bunch of people staring at me. Like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. You're like, ah, oh, I thought I was alone. Let me get yeah, some really pants did. on yeah, and let's, let's start over. <laughs> this is, this is very uncomfortable now. Uh, so, you know, that, but the, the blog still kind of has its own, has the same, you know, philosophy behind it, which is sort of me yelling at me about me about writing. Right. And which definitely useful, great. is, helpful advice for anyone because it's yeah as you said if you if you truly are as lazy as you say you are then writers <laughs> need that kick in the ass i hope so yeah i, I need it periodically so <laughs> that um i don't know if you're you should, it, you should it's worth pursuing the story of the website you're the man now dog do you remember that site yeah yeah that's so similar situation the guy just couldn't keep up with the demand for the community um involvement basically <laughs> and he just like his world was basically collapsing around him as he tried to keep up with the demand. Oh my for, God. You're, you're the man now, dog access. <laughs> He's like trying to crawl his way out of like a quicksand pit. Exactly. That's so the it. opposite of what normally happens to 99.9% .9 of the people. Yes. Try anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's he's going the other direction, and they're just like, "Please take me with you." Yeah, he's like, "No, nah, I think he lives in my neighborhood, actually." Does he really? I think he has. Somebody's like, "Oh, I know another internet guy. You're the man now." Like somebody that didn't wasn't familiar with the internet. <laughs> oh they're like, gosh. "Maybe you've heard of this." I'm like, I'm, "Look at me. Of course I know." You're <laughs> you're right. Now, <laughs> he's probably fortunate enough that he doesn't look super. Um, like he's not famous in that way because people would probably yell that to him constantly. Do, yeah. do you ever get that? Just people yelling at you from a distance. <laughs> Thankfully, no. I was at Target like maybe a year ago, and someone was like, "Are you Mister Wendy?" Like, ah! I was like, and I was like, "Do I owe you money?" Like, I don't know what. Who are Were you? they? Like, and, like right behind you, like in your ear, like a little yeah, too close. Yeah, I was just whispering at me. She was in my cart. It was really strange. Yeah. You're like, you were being drafted into some secret program. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then Target was gone and I was in a black room. It was very weird. Uh, what were you picking up at Target? What what was, what did they catch just, you buying? Just this. Yeah, I know. Thankfully, it was nothing weird. Like, are these diapers? But adult diapers? That's strange. That's very strange. Laxatives, like, mustard, adult all of diapers, your digestive yeah, yeah. Just a ton of digestives. Yeah. I, well, actually, it's funny. I was at the grocery store yesterday and I looked at my like whole spread of food. And then, like, it was all food except for at the tail end, there was heartburn meds. And I was like, yep, that's <laughs> that's my life. I had I had a day one time. I took a picture of it because I just realized what I had done. I went to the store and all I bought was digestive aids. So I had, like, Tums. Just a basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lactaid. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, mean, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I didn't buy any I'm food. Dying. I only brought stuff to help me. I subsist on Lactaid. <laughs> lactaid. I just I drink, drink it. <laughs> it's basically was, milk, right? It's kind of milk. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm just gonna eat a uh, just a box of pills that will help me digest dairy, but I'm not gonna actually eat any dairy. No, you're just gonna eat the pills that help you digest dairy. <laughs> that ch that sweet chalky dust. Mm, so good. Ah, oh, it's the word. It doesn't work either. By the no, way, I'm yeah. just gonna put that out there. Lactate doesn't work. 
I've I heard don't care that. if we lose that sponsorship deal. Yeah. <laughs> suffered i ate, i trusted him and i ate ice cream and i paid the price <laughs> you just did it anyway yeah yeah to hell with it because it's ice cream <laughs> so here's a question uh you know we were just making sure we had everything uh fact checked and everything about you so we didn't sound like total idiots mm. and we mm-hmm. saw that you're writing hyperion for marvel was yeah was okay yeah it was what's the deal with that so as someone who doesn't know anything about hyperion when you go to the wikipedia page um yeah, you it's, should check out the picture right now yeah. of, uh, of Hyperion. We have kind of a question about it. On what, the Wikipedia page? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, look at that. Let's, let's yeah, take check a, it out. Hyperion. Wikipedia. I can spell it without me. Uh, yeah, okay. Of course, I don't want all this other stuff, but I do want... Uh, where's the comic? Oh, there he is. Okay, Hyperion comic. So what's going oh, on yeah. with that well, picture? He's got some, he's got some heavy... <laughs> junk going on there it's it's definitely a very junk centric it's not even like normal junk it looks like he like yeah he extended crap inside like it's definitely done with intention yeah Yeah. is that a a metal like pelvic sized cod piece like what's yeah it really must be yeah Yeah, he's 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 rocking he might be rocking the diaper like a big super super diaper (laughs) i mean think about if you're like if you're flying around and you're in space all the time like what do you do Maybe, Marathon maybe runners wear diapers, don't makes... they? They they crap themselves. Yeah. They're like high performance athletes. So like, astronauts. I mean, I think this is legit. Yeah, that's the secret. <laughs> that's so the is secret. that is that the same? It makes sense. That's an earlier iteration of Hyperion. Yeah. Okay, that's like What's a. The... See, here's the deal with Hyperion. Hyperion mostly sucks, and it's that um <laughs> he's like the Marvel version of Superman, and they right. willingly yep. willfully made him sort of a dick. Like he's ah. a super dick. He's super powerful and kind of a narcissist, and occasionally they turn him into like a straight up bad guy. Uh, and then sometimes he's like kind of a good guy, but still sort of a dick. Right. Uh, so my goal was to make him less of a dick and be a little <laughs> more understandable. So he's like a truck driver. He's kind of like an American guy who doesn't understand. He's like adopted the country and he figures he should get to know it. Of course, what he finds is that the country is sort of super crazy. Uh, <laughs> but they only, I only got like six issues in. They actually, it's funny because the way Marvel and the way distribution chains and everything work, like it was, I think, the day before the first issue was coming out, and they were like, "Hey, guess what? You're canceled." And I was like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> the first issue isn't even out. How is that a possibility? <laughs> like, did you go back in time? What is the like? Are you Hyperion? What is the deal? <laughs> and uh, they were like, "No, well, the way it works is it all like the the distribution chain. We can see how many pre-orders they have for issue two, and it's half of what they do for issue one, and it's not enough to feel." So they're like, "We're going to let you get to issue six, so you have an arc." And it will be collected in a book, and then that will you will stop. So I was like, wow. okay. So it got me a chance to like you build it to a conclusion and to end it, as opposed to just like, and then he is there, and then nothing happens. Right. Uh, but it was weird. It's just weird how comics. Dick move. Work. Yeah, that whole pre order thing. Like it's like it's just weird to me that the pre order for the second issue was half when the first one wasn't even out yet. Yeah. Well, the and deal that- is like. Comic stores know that people go gonzo for number one because they uh-huh. co- they collect it, but number two is worth nothing right. comparatively. So they buy up a number ones, and so unless they really feel there's going to be a super, you know, high test um, desire for the series, number two is always a major cut. Well, unfortunately, right. what that means is like you know Marvel, which I mean I understand they're a huge company, they can't waste a lot of time. Right. Um, but at the same time, they're not giving a lot of. Uh, breathing room to comics. They're not like, well, we'll grow the readership. It's just like, do, do we have an immediate readership? Right. Flush it. Just dunk it. It's out. <laughs> Kill it. It's stupid comic. We hated it anyway. Yeah. They, well, that's always been, you know, I haven't been into comics for a while. I was big in the 90s, and we, uh, that was a bad time for comics. It was. Like we, it was a, well, it was a, some good time for comics, too, but bad in a lot. For the industry. It was oh, bad. yeah, bad for the industry. Yeah. yeah. That's what, I don't think Marvel ever, like, Marvel's like, we've been hurt before. Like, yeah, we don't wanna, they know be there again like no. once they got their movie like think now now marvel has like juice but they were hurting real bad in the 90s and it was oh yeah they're not they're not trying to go back to that that spot no they don't want to you know they don't want to dip i i was burned as a comic book reader i have so many worthless image comics in my house like they're not you know we, we were <laughs> promised the moon that we could retire on these things yeah no nope. trash no they're like they're less than beanie babies now it's not good yeah like yeah. sorry shadow hawk ash can number zero right I guess you were awesome. Yeah. Somewhere in like the Pacific, there's just like a whole island of these things. They've gathered there, floated. <laughs> Rob Liefeld actually lives on it. He probably does. And his big giant, he's got weird muscles and <laughs> extra yeah. muscles and joints where things never happen. Every once in a while, I will revisit the epic Rob Liefeld 
uh, uh, critique <laughs> article and just like it's I, it never fails to make me cry. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. That weird uh, image of Captain America where they like uh, rebuilt him. They, if yeah. he was actually looked like if his skeleton looked like the perspective that he drew him in. <laughs> to be, what a monster. What a giant monster. I wish I knew what you were talking about. Uh, so Rob Liefeld is one of the he created Deadpool. Like he has yeah, cable, a Deadpool, legacy. Yeah. yeah, cable. He's but he's notoriously unschooled artist i'll say that's the kind way of saying yeah he clearly has no artistic education yeah and he has a unique style but a lot of it involves lazy shortcuts and bad perspective Uh, and so somebody one day just took him to task on it on this like epic post and since then people just like have made it a point to find rob liefeld art to to crap on and and so there's one picture of captain america standing like this like profile and his pack is like this pack i think is massive yeah his arm is really small and it just looks somebody's like if you turned this captain america around here's what he would look like and it was like a mutant like his one arm was huge and the other one was tiny it was was a disaster it is yeah it's such a strange and like he always had the people with like the eyes, the star eyes, star eyes, and yeah. not even like a real. Like it literally looked like just like a, a symbol. Like it was very strange. Yeah, so it was strange. like a yeah, it was like a bad tattoo shop star. Yeah, yes. And pouches. The man yep. loved pouches. Yep. <laughs> and he'd think he could cover with a pouch. He would do it. <laughs> um, speak like. Do you have any interest in like doing more comics? Like I'm doing comics like, now. Yeah. I, um, which one? Do you, what do you got going on? Well, now I, I wrote the uh, Force Awakens adaptation. Marvel. Oh, and then I, nice. uh, now I'm doing a, a reboot of Turok, the dinosaur hunter. Oh, no way. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. I never really dug into the Turok comic. Were those Valiant? Uh, Yeah, well, they were Valiant and then Dynamite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. maybe, well, Gold Key way back when. I definitely played the game on Nintendo 64. Yeah. That was... That was, believe it or not, my initial and primary exposure to Turok. So when they were like, do you want to write Turok? I was like, not really. <laughs> and uh, they were like, no, no, but you can kind of do your own thing with it. And I was like, okay, now I'm interested. All yeah. right. Native American, cybernetic Native American yeah, dinosaur hunter. Yeah. Right? Didn't yeah. go with that. Didn't go with that story. Ah, Did okay. not go with that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Here's a here's a question that I would love to, to ask uh, to you as a writer. So we've noticed, uh, Zach is always talking about how in comic books, there's this cumulative effect where the more... Uh, the superheroes have to face tougher and tougher challenges. It starts to collapse because you've sort of explored every possible challenge and you need to sort of reboot. Oh, yeah. Char- with with like Marvel and with DC all the time. Yeah. You have your Infinity yeah, Crises and your. You just you reach know. a point where it's first, you're, it's, it's versus a city, then it's versus the world, then it's versus the universe, then it's versus multiple universes, and then it's like, oh, okay. And parallel universes. We, we, can't, <laughs> we can't really go beyond this the scope of that anymore. So now we have to bring it back down to the character becoming the character in the first place or, yeah. or something like that. So as a, as a writer, do you encounter that as you're developing stories? I'm cognizant of it. And part of the thing, well, like one of the reasons why I liked Hyperion was like, my thing is if I'm ever going to do something tie in, like I want to be able to put my own stamp on it or otherwise I don't really want to do it. Um, and when Marvel said we have two theoretical series you could work on and they said, well, there's Hyperion and there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of a cooler book. It's high profile. It's tied into a TV show. So, you yeah. know, you probably want that one. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do with Hyperion? And they said, we don't know. And I said, that's a really good answer because then I'm in. Like, I'm totally into you not knowing what you want. Uh, Star Wars was the same way. They didn't know what they wanted. So, you know, Hyperion, I tried to keep it really on its own thing because they had all these other big stories sort of building up. And I kind of wanted to keep Hyperion out of that stuff because to me as a reader that stuff drives me nuts um I, I don't even know that the reason to reboot is so much because they keep fighting bigger and bigger things but so much that they get such a tangled incestuous universe that yeah, over time right, it ceases right. to make any sense to anybody you have to buy well I bought Spider-Man but to understand this week Spider-Man you have to buy Guardians of the Galaxy last week you yeah. have to buy Iron Man and Hyperion and Devil Dinosaur and you have to buy don't forget to buy 40,000 other comics or this will make no sense uh, and it gets very confusing to me. Like when I, you know, when I was a kid, I would read a comic just by buying it and then yeah. I would read it and be like, well, this makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never had a problem with it. But now I pick up a comic and I'm like, who, what is happening? Who are all these people? Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's the, like, it's the same kind of to... crisis. It's it's not just size or scale, but it's also the entanglement yeah. Yeah. of storylines and, and things needing to justify other things. The, the best possible resolution I ever saw for that was, I think it was Superboy Prime, when he just literally punched the fourth wall. Yeah. And it, it shattered. It, it shattered. It. Literally yeah. shattered yeah. it. Yeah. 
He was like, enough of this shit. <laughs> so I kept confused. I know. I know. We all felt that emotionally. Like, yep, I would also do that same thing <laughs> if I could. And that was it. He punched my will to like keep reading comic books. Yep. That was... yep. Yeah, you know, it's really refreshing to know that the, the powers that be are, are willing to give a certain amount of flexibility and control to artists like yourself to bring their own vision to the table. Yeah, they, they leave a lot of room for the storytellers. Now, I mean, I'm sure that's different with certain properties if they have something really nailed down on a certain character. Like I know people writing, like I know the writer uh, Delilah who's writing uh, the Phasma comic. And I know, you know, because the movies are a current artifact unfolding, um, okay. that's, you know, the, the, the laser focus on that is probably different than what I got on Aftermath. Because Aftermath was sort of dealing with a big giant question mark space. Whereas Phasma is, a, a, to them, to the filmmakers, a known quantity. So I'm sure she sort of has to deal with some of that. Yeah, your whole timeline was like, I could see how they're like, here's where it ended. This is where we pick it up. Figure the rest yeah, out. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you definitely know you have to get to the first order at yes. some point, which, yeah. Yeah. I actually, I confess, I haven't read book three yet. I didn't even realize it was out. Um, well, I'm hanging up then. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry to let you down. So. Listen, I've read... Dinocalypse. You know what I did with Dinocalypse too? Because for some reason my Kindle was confused and it told like it didn't tell me which one was the first one. I actually read the second book first <laughs> and it took me. A, I, I'm, I'm really good at just Whoops. jumping into like TV shows and stuff yeah. and just figuring out. So I had no problem. But there but then I read the first book. I was like, this is the first book. I was like, son of a bitch. Like, this would have made so much more sense. <laughs> but I was definitely on board with the talking monkey. And like, I, was, I had no yeah. problem. Yeah. Excellent. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> But yeah, that's, uh, what else we got here? We could talk about Creepio for a while. My favorite. One of the things that was kind of interesting, that, that whole idea about having to be cognizant of where the stories are going and, and what's going to be interesting to your readers. Yeah. We think about our audience all the time and, and how to juggle expectations. Yeah. And one of the things that we've been struggling with going into, <laughs> going into episode six is... Uh, we we were considering doing a scene where, and this may or may not be in the final podcast, but uh, considering doing a scene where <laughs> is doing a <laughs> style uh, <laughs> about how <laughs> everything. Sure. Yeah, like the it, epic music creeps quite, in. It and... doesn't quite make sense. Like it doesn't. I'm not sure that matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't essentially ruin anything that the viewer has used their imagination to piece together. Because yeah. I think I think what what we personally have found is that when when stories are are developing and becoming more complicated and they start to now go back and retroactively change your perception yeah. of past events. Yeah, it can. It depends. It depends on the focus of the story, right? Because it's like, you know, what you guys do is, you know, both funny and sort of I mean, creative and you're creating story, but it's also like hilarious at the same time. Um, you know, you look at a show like Archer or something like that, which is funny really early on and sort of absurd and self-referential and then later kind of develops an actual story. Mm -hmm. um, which is a weird thing like as an audience because on the one hand I follow it now for story but then I don't think it's as funny because it's kind of yeah. focused on its its narrative more than yeah. it is the just insane jokes uh, so that's like such a weird line to walk between those things yeah yeah it's strange I mean uh, our episodes keep getting longer and longer to have to explain more <laughs> right. and more so, yeah. and we're like what are we doing are we telling an actual story here right, yeah. right. It's, no. like, it's like a natural progression of consistency basically yes. it's like if this character is going to be this way all the time that's going to start to ripple out right and like you, you have to uh, like if you want to keep it going at all it like kind of just happens naturally yeah. you have to right. explain things and contextualize them. yeah yeah like, what is the empire do they just own like <laughs> chicken wing joints or like, what is the right. deal and why and how yeah. did they take over <laughs> yeah it's um we did have a weird trilogy there for a while there where they're like everybody had like a, their favorite crazy robot from their you know like you got your mr bones which definitely yeah, oh, came yeah, from yeah. you right like that that reeks of you like that's not like a pre-existing character that they like were like please put this in the story so no yeah that was definitely yeah. like a, i'm doing this this is happening <laughs> i hope it's okay well you did like something that like was impossible is that you made a b1 battle droid cool again you know? yeah right, right. no well because the, the thing is like you watch the phantom menace trailer and i think we can all find the gulf between our experiences with the Phantom Menace trailer and our experiences with the Phantom Menace I was, film, right? I was like <laughs> such a massive by chasm between those two experiences. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I yeah. wish I could go back and just watch the trailer then and never know the movie. Um, but you watch like the battle droids come out and you're like, they're kind of weird looking. Like they're yeah. kind of bird-like and they have like vulture-shaped heads and like yeah. they're skeletal. I was like, oh, that could be actually pretty scary. And then they're kind of just a bunch of inept lightsaber fodder. 
Yeah, uh-huh. they're clouds. They fell yeah, apart. Clouds. Like at the slightest like pressure, they would just completely fall apart. Yeah, like the Jedi would just sneeze at them and they would just clatter. Yeah, they would shatter. They would yeah. out of Legos. Just just droid defecations left and right. So uh, I kind of wanted to get back to that a little bit and be like, how can you recapture the scary cut of them? Yeah. And make them actually sort of both insane and scary at the same time. So you, you were actually dipping back into what you had hoped before you had actually experienced. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mask. Like I wanted that, to, yeah, amazing. I wanted to recapture yeah. the illusion I held one time. Well, and that's the whole thing you want from a bad guy army is like, like not only are they supposed to be like fe- effective, but like physically imposing. Yeah. Like you have to, I mean, stormtroopers were never really effective, but they did have an imposing. They had a look. Yeah. yeah. When they, when they, when they f- r- rolled in and, you know, in, in rank and file, you were just like, well, you're, gonna have some troubles now like that's right right this is legit yeah it just got real but yeah the battle droids were just like from beginning to end they were just cartoon characters they, they were, were and they would just quip at each other like in weird like, like and why why are they yeah. talking to each other like that what is happening <laughs> yeah everything about them was meant to make a child giggle like, yeah that was like roger yeah. roger it's, oh, geez. i think it's a beautiful opportunity though to to say now i have the keys to that to that thing and I can get back in there and, and tweak. Yeah, it was it was huge. It was, it was massive for me. Yeah. There's only been two instances that I can think of off the top of my head where where somebody writing Star Wars stories right now actually dipped back into the prequels in a pretty successful way. One was is Mr. Bones. As far as I can tell, Mr. Bones might be the only reference to the prequels I've seen in the book. Oh, you haven't read uh, the third one yet. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of prequel references in there. Um, in in all the books because they um though I reference not. The, necessarily the prequel film so much as the Clone Wars TV show. Right. Which I am totally unfamiliar with. Oh, like so it's actually I, really pretty good. Is it? It contextualizes the, the prequels. It makes them worth more. Huh. Doesn't necessarily I, make you want to watch them again, but it I think I, contextualizes I, them. I think I unconsciously protested them because for the longest time, the, the Gendi, uh, was it Gendi Tartas? Oh, yeah, they name? were there and then they weren't. His vision was like my preferred vision of the clone wars animated you know yeah side stories it was like they were they were art and i was like what is this cgi yeah the cgi stuff is not always super successful but the storytelling is actually pretty aces yeah and then they've got into rebels and things like that and they're hugely popular yeah a lot of people actually ask us to tackle that stuff and i was like we're just not as familiar with it as we are the movies like we can get into the movies and really pick and choose our moments yes off from memory that we want to make fun of right no absolutely yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, the uh, uh, Empire's End has a Jar Jar chapter. Oh, dude! Really? Yeah. Oh, Say yeah. no more. How did we miss that? As an interlude. Well, that's the third book. Yeah, I no, have it. Yeah, we get it. We get it immediately. Jar Jar, and it's a fascinating thing because the, everybody's reaction to the Jar Jar chapter is like, is this like broken prism? Because I have so <laughs> like people are like, you. I'm so glad you punished him. Some people are like you didn't punish him enough. Some people are like I'm so glad you gave him a nice ending. Like they, everybody, I have all of these people. Everybody reacts to it. It, it, like whatever their reaction to Jar Jar is, it's just like turn the volume up, and that's their reaction. Right? To, they all had their own experience yeah. with what you were. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You didn't punish him enough. I didn't punish him enough. Some people are like, oh, oh you redeemed him for me. It's like, oh my gosh, okay. I wanted him to be pile driven. They did. Some people were like, why did you kill him like really badly and like yeah. cut him up and he's like dragged and drawn and quartered by stormtroopers? <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, that's, that's one of those things that you wonder if it's your perception of it is real or not, given everything that has happened to the character and through, you know, pop culture. It, it's hard to think about Jar Jar without all of the baggage. Yes, there, there, yeah, you can't. You, you must have had to really just, did you do like a, a mind wipe before you hit that No, I brought that wipe? baggage into the chapter. <laughs> I did. I wanted I wanted that baggage there because everyone has it. Damn. Yeah. That's there's no way. You, shed just, that baggage. you said, I'm going in there with all the baggage. Yep. I'm taking, I'm yeah. taking it with me. He's carrying it with him basically in the, Here's in the why chapter. Here's Craven pointed this out to me. This is where the movie, the prequels immediately lost all hope yeah was when jar jar shows up and he starts speaking to the jedi yeah right it, it, granted in broken english yeah. but he's he, he's communicating yeah and ewan mcgregor looks right at uh qui-gon and goes master what is this thing yeah it's like dude you're, is it? this yeah. is an alien species yeah. in a world where you are used to alien species and he is speaking to you yeah. like what is this thing yeah like, what, what is this movie <laughs> god you're a dick obi-wan yeah, yeah. huge that's the most racist thing you could have done i know what is this thing i know one of the one of the first things that we were not to i don't want to keep going down this thing of jar jar <laughs> but now that we're on it we're um, on it one of the things that we were going to do before we even started our our weird versions of uh of the star wars universe 
was uh, we were going to take all of Jar Jar's scenes and see what would happen if we just gave him this really brilliant sort of rich British British voice. <laughs> like deep timber to his voice or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Just something just to see if that would change your perception of the character. Not yeah. not, to, not to say anything about the perform you know the performance uh that he had. Uh but but uh Oh that'd but be awesome. To, yeah, not, you should know, do it with like actually multiple different kinds of voices. Like like let's hear it with all kinds of like what does he sound right. like if he's a dude from, you know, uh, yeah, does, does it change anything it change? about how yeah. you feel about it? Because he could be sort of the perfect storm of disaster. Yes. Where if, if you just can pull one component of him and switch it up, does it, <laughs> does does it, does it not become anyway? the perfect storm anymore? You know, but make him just like a yeah, surfer burnout dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, does that work? I mean, again, with his sort of the way he moves, does, is there something there? He's like the, the turtle from Finding Nemo, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it's it's really exciting to to, to speak with you about this because to, to know that you, you are going in there and, and you are actively changing the Star Wars, you know, it's so important to so many people. And, uh, you know, we, just, we hope you're that you're just having a blast with it. I did have a blast with it. Yeah, like outside of that weird initial reaction, uh, I, which I got over once I hit the bestseller list. I was like, oh, we're good. Yeah. We're fine. And that was all... <laughs> That yeah, some of the weird. early Amazon reviews were pretty brutal. Well, they, like, they literally started appearing. I was doing a midnight uh, release of that, and it was at Dragon Con, and it was at uh -huh. um, a Barnes & Noble. So, you know, the midnight release is there, and it's like a bunch of people, and we're having a blast. And uh, then it's like 1, 1 in the morning, and it's time for me to go back to the hotel. And I pull up my phone, and I look at Amazon, and there's like 10 one-star reviews. From, <laughs> oh, so they were people that were at the event, the, right? No, they were just people ready to they didn't read the book oh. it was like a 4chan 8chan thing they just yeah. showed up and were just trolls and weird uh <laughs> and then all weekend they just kept piling on wow like, oh, some something's happening and i don't know what it is yeah. <laughs> is my book that bad or is there a, a campaign and then turns out there was some kind of campaign and it there always is yeah. yeah that whole like like the groups of people that like ban against trailers and try to make trailers the most downvoted trailer of all time and stuff like yep. it's just like does this what kind of effect are you trying to have on the world like yeah. what is what purely saying? negative yeah. totally a, a <laughs> sucking chest wound of culture yeah it's really weird yeah that uh yeah you we get, get that sometimes you know block out the noise and yeah well it's so, forge we, ahead we've had that on yeah. our videos too even like positive responses on our videos or it's like you literally didn't even watch you couldn't have we just released it it's a 10 minute video you right. could not have had a positive or negative reaction to no. this yet like it's, right yeah and there they are there they are there they are we appreciate that we like people that are so excited or disappointed by something that they have to express it right away right, right. I'm just, right. they can't even wait for the thing they've yeah. got to just yeah. tell you their feelings about it before they've consumed it. And there's always the joy of somebody coming to you and, and saying that they appreciated something that maybe you weren't even aware of that made it in there. You know? Yeah. There's a bunch of that with aftermath. Like people saw things either I put in there, or, you know, just little hints and references and excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is great. That's where you really, that's, that's the, that's the flip side of that. Yeah. You know, that, that positivity can be so great. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's generally m more real and more overwhelming than the negativity. The negativity, like I said, it's just a small, yeah. loud. It's really you know, loud, but it yeah, fills out pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Especially if you don't pay it any mind. Like, if you don't That's the key. It, yeah. Yeah. And that's very hard to do. Because people don't understand that. Like, you know, you get things people tell you, like, well, just ignore the negative reviews. I'm like, that's like having like a really good meal and then someone like puts like a just a tiny piece of poop on it <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a very small piece of poop but I'm, i cannot really eat around it, it. It's eat, around, just eat around that yeah it's like but it's a it's that it's a turd i can't my father always had an anecdote that he would he would tell us what is a barrel full of sewage with a teaspoon of wine added to it okay and the answer is sewage <laughs> and then it was what's a barrel full of wine with a teaspoon of sewage added to it and the answer is sewage. <laughs> and I always yeah. was like, huh. Okay. Yeah. I took that with yeah. me. That's every, yeah. every year or so he, he brings that up. Yeah. <laughs> that exact That's analogy. Fair. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. It's increasingly on the internet. That's it's apt. That is uh, another now we're just going to go into our weird analogy now. It's, <laughs> that, that, Let's I, do it. I had one for, it was for the film industry. People are like, it was a comic book, right? I think it was Warren Ellis actually, uh, who said making a film is like, trying to carry a rose up a mountain of shit to plant it at the top. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. 
Because it's like the, he's like the freedom of just writing a comic book where it's just you, the artist, and the editor. And it's just, oh, my God. Yeah. Difference. That's the weird thing is like writing books is the most – the freest version of all that because in mm-hmm. comics you add in new layers of editors and you have artists. But then also if it's the, if it's Marvel, you have that whole story world you deal with. And then as you get up into film, then it's just like 50,000 people who don't want to hear your crap. Yeah. <laughs> Or they're all scared of like, yeah. your ideas. I'm like, well, this didn't test well. Right, right. It's such a weird environment out there because they, you know, they thrive on not making stuff. Yeah. Like every screenwriter you meet is just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a working screenwriter. It's like, what's the last movie you made? It's like, oh, that's about 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've sold How 50 you... scripts. None of them got made. Like, yeah. that's such a weird. Yeah. I can't imagine like having a book deal <laughs> and writing books to not publish them. It's, it's, I feel like. The suicide rate should be higher out there. <laughs> it Maybe does. It is. The money, I think, helps. Yeah. You get a money probably helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was this weird book that a friend of mine suggested that I read. I almost don't want to name the book because I feel kind of bad, mm. but at the same time, I don't. Yeah. But it was a book on screenwriting. Okay. And the guy who wrote the book was one of those writers. He's probably sold. I think he's known for selling the most scripts in Hollywood. But okay, sure. One, two of his films got made. Yeah. I'm just going to say the films because they're, they're yeah. hilarious. Blank Check was yeah. one of the films. Uh-huh. And Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Yeah, we're talking about Save the Cat. Save the Cat. Yeah, yeah you've read that book. Oh, yeah. it's I, I get it. I get like what the book is trying to say, but he... I, he lost me because he kept saying, like, for instance, when I wrote, don't stop or your stop or your mom will shoot. It's like, dude, stop it. I like, know. You're, you're throwing me off. I don't care about blank check. Do not bring up blank check. One well, it'd be like if like, George Lucas wrote a book where he used every character example as Jar Jar. Like, well, when I wrote Jar Jar, what I did was like, no, 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 no. You've done a lot, and this is not. Yeah. Don't. Jar Jar's the key, though. Yeah. If Jar Jar's the key, we're done. I'm not reading the book. On that note, <laughs> coming back to Jar Jar, always back to Jar Jar. I think uh, at this point we've we've actually dropped your name more than a few times on our podcast. So oh, hopefully, sure. oh, thank our, you. Our, our, our listeners are well acquainted with you at this point and nice. have formed their positive or negative opinions. <laughs> hopefully, so, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I imagine you're probably a polarizing writer. I don't know. I just recommend stuff that I like. I didn't used to be. Then Star Wars yeah. happened, and then it turns out it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, you always had kind of like even in like the 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 Heartland series, you have some characters. You've always toyed with that, but it just didn't affect uh, an existing IP like that. Yeah, like I, didn't, I still had some people react to that, but it was such a fraction compared to yeah. the Star Wars massive juggernaut. You can't have gay corn pirates. What are you, crazy? <laughs> no, no. How dare you? I know corn pirates. No, never gay. No. <laughs> it's wow. a manly job that only men, real men can do that. Yeah. Like, oh, corn apocalypse. Yeah, that's a great series. Yeah, but you know, for, for our podcast, we... Uh, it's a new thing for us to conduct interviews, and uh, it's just a real honor to have you on. Well, no, it's pretty, it's an honor to be on. I, I love your uh, your stuff, man. Your videos crack me up, and I I, to- I torment my wife sometimes by playing like uh, Baby Time. Yeah, <laughs> we got a on. remix uh, out. That yeah. We're gonna that's gonna be part of the live performance. It's a pretty Sweet. epic remix. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I, although although talking about breaking the illusion, I think Zach, you know, doing creepy live is still a oh <laughs> man a i did uh i did on a you know we have a fairly new instagram account and i just I, it's sometimes i struggle to figure out what to post because it's like <laughs> right. people are like post every day and i'm like well we're, we're working every day i'm sometimes i'm just tapped for ideas but one day i was just like it'd be pretty funny if i just post a quick little clip of me like because we're practicing these songs i'm like i'm gonna do a clip of me rapping this creepio song and some people were furious. No. They just couldn't believe that I would dare show my face and like ruin. You've ruined the illusion. Yeah. yeah no, you lift that curtain. And yeah. It's man. And I was and I and I was like, you you are aware that Creepio is played by a person, though, right? And <laughs> he's also not real. Face. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's based on a character called C three PO. Yeah. Well, somebody goes, you know, uh, Anthony Daniels hardly ever showed his face. We didn't need to see his face to know who C three PO was. I was like, Jesus. Jesus, dude. I mean, it's like. What does Anthony Daniels get then? <laughs> Yelled at all the time. Like, go back in your suit. I don't want to see your dumb face. Put the mask back on. Put the mask back on. You're horrible. You're hideous. What? He's a very smooth, handsome face. I know. I know. And yet they're probably just haranguing him. Yeah. I, I bet so. he's gotten death threats. I bet he has. Bet Put he the has. helmet on. Oh, no question. How dare you? How dare you? I'll kill you. Yeah. I'll show you, C3PO. Make the, I don't want to make this about us too much, but we did. Creepio did get an official Marvel shout out in the most recent issue of Star Wars. Did he really? I missed that. Yeah, they uh, they were as Triple Zero was dealing with. I think Leia and Doctor, um, the female Doctor that was working with Vader. Yeah, 
were like faced with a rabid Wookiee and they were like, how do we deal with this Wookiee? And this woman goes, Hey, creepio, tell us what we do here. And <laughs> I was like, and people were like throwing it our way. And I, I reached out to, um, Jordan. He's a, the editor over at Marvel. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I worked with Jordan. Oh yeah. See, yeah, he's a great guy too. I've yeah. Had bur- I've had burgers with him. He's super nice. awesome. Mm. But yeah, Jordan confirmed it. So we got it. Like creepio is nice. Been acknowledged. Luke acknowledged <laughs> in canon. Yeah. Sweet. I feel bad because I know that Kieran, who created Triple Zero, I'm I'm sure he's probably tired of hearing people say that <laughs> yeah, he sounds yeah. like Creepio. He's just like, this is my own thing. Like, come on. Like, no, no, stop, stop telling me that. And even I was like, one's a sociopath, one is a psychopath. It's two yeah. different <laughs> It's very different, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I think Creepio has a much longer endgame. Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he has several endgames. That's yeah. his, he can't, he's a little... Uh, one of them is just immediately violent. He just wants to satisfy these violent urges like, yeah. right away. Yeah. Uh, triple zero, you know, and then. Right. Yeah. Creepio has weird. Uh, He's trying to save the, the galaxy. Yeah. He has like, yeah. cen- he has like Cenobite style plans. Yeah. That's exactly mind. right. He's definitely, <laughs> he's playing a puzzle that no one's seen. Right. <laughs> he sees it. Yeah. He's. <laughs> um, so yeah. Th- so yes. Thank you, Chuck, for joining us for, yeah, as our second so guest. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. it a real pleasure, and um, just thanks so much for taking the time to to join us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for thanks for it. it's awesome, man. Yeah, we will uh, we'll of course be putting links to everywhere, uh, everywhere. Chuck Wendig, is there anything that we should include specifically that no, is coming man, up just, that you'd uh, like us to? Terribleminds dot com is a good place to go for all that. I have a new writing book coming out in the fall uh, called Damn Fine Story. Save the dog. Or... Save the dog. Yes, <laughs> it's just all about how you need to give your characters that save the dog moment, not a cat. <laughs> And you will cats. reference uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. That's my right. My, my, my one film. My one. <laughs> Stop or My Dog Will Shoot. <laughs> yeah, another huge thanks to Chuck Wendig for that amazing interview. Yeah, the dude is, is hilarious. Uh, he's a super talented writer, and we encourage you to go check out his full library, not just his Star Wars stuff. So, so yeah. that, that's it for that's today's it. podcast. Episode 11 in the books. Yep. Stay um, tuned for more stay on tuned our channel. To the channel to all of the portals. We got all, a lot of portals. The Arlnots, the Arlnots portals, places you can find us. We're becoming the portal masters. Portal master. And I feel like I don't need to say them because if you're here, chances are you like this is the deepest portal I think we have. Like this is the the most obscure one. But if you uh, but if you don't know about them, we got Instagram. There's funny stuff going on there. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Patreon. And there's unique things happening on every single one of them. We put a lot of work into entertaining each audience. Go check them out. Check them. Check them. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. And we will see you guys soon. <laughs>